reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Penick. We got ourselves a mailbag pod. Got to talk about Pepper at the top. Mailbag pod. Got some good questions. A week away from the trade deadline. So I'm ignoring all the trade questions because we're going to know what's going to happen in a week from now. Justin, how are you feeling? Off uh, coming off a dub. It's it's Wednesday after a dub. How are you feeling? Yeah, Bobby Skinner. I'm feeling good that, you know, second time this year and in a matter of seven weeks where we are feeling this way, where we're coming off a win, and it's nice that it was the first win at home, and I got to see it. I got to be there. got to experience it. Uh, but as always, you know, the NFL is a uh, week-by-week league. It is a what-have-you-done-for-me recently league, and the Giants are going to have another opportunity to rock and roll on uh, Monday night in a very big game. But I'm excited for it. We'll talk about that on Friday. But we got some things to clean up. How are you? I'm doing all right, but I'm hurt. I'm hurt, dog. Yeah. Pep. Pep. Uh, ruptured his Achilles. He's out for the year. Jabril Peppers. I, I I love Pep. You know, and I actually don't think it's a huge loss for the team this year because they weren't really using they weren't using him the way they were last year as a, as a money backer. They just weren't using him that way, and they used him a little bit this past week, and he looked good. You know, he had the sack. Um. You know we can go all, we can go through all the numbers of of why Pep's important and why he gets underrated because he gives up a couple catches to tight ends here and there. You know, go through all of 2020 by the way and look at. Tell me which tight end performs significantly better than their averages. Um, you won't find it. But I mean, he's he's a captain. He's a he's a, he. If there was one player where it's like that's the leader of the team, it would be Peppers. More so than Logan Ryan, more so than Daniel Jones, more so than Saquon Barkley. It was Pep. So, you know, before the trade deadline, we were thinking to have to say goodbye to him already. But it seems like this is kind of the end of Pep as a giant. It's not a, it's not a guarantee, but it feels like it. Yeah, three captains for the Giants this year are now uh, out with uh, season-ending injuries. It's kind of messed up. It's kind of screwed up. Um, Saquon Barkley being the fourth captain, but you know, he's, he's weak, you know, he's weak to weak now. I think he'll be back for that Raider game, but yeah, Pep played 42% of the snaps against Carolina. I honestly thought it was more like just, you know, sitting there in section three fifteen. I thought I saw him a lot more. I saw him alternating in and out depending on the package. Cause largely he's been like the slot corner the last couple of weeks, you know, being like this in the box, type of presence, but also covering the slot wide receiver, which was like a weird role for him. But I thought this was the game where you felt his presence the most, whether it's going sideline to sideline with some wide receivers or tight ends, or I thought he had a really good game in coverage this, this week too, you know, keeping up with some tight ends and obviously the big sack, which I think according to some of the beat reporters, like I think he actually suffered somewhat of like somewhat of his injury. And then he got that sack where he flipped and, you know, he had that tremendously athletic play and got that sack. So it sucks because, you know, how Jabir Preppers was acquired was, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., who clearly there was parts of him that did not want to be a giant, while Jabril Peppers, who was, I would say, the main part of that trade, and I think the best part of that trade, at least as of right now, he's a guy that was coming home. He's a guy that was coming home, and I think he genuinely wanted to be home. He genuinely wanted to be here. He genuinely enjoyed being a giant. And for every single week, I enjoyed watching him, and he got better. That's the thing, too, where I think as time went on, especially through 2020, he got better, led the league in pass deflections among strong safeties. So that's pretty darn good. Yeah, it was top five last year of safeties and tackles for loss. Had two and a half, really three and a half sacks. They took one away because he broke Kyle Allen's leg, Yeah, which wasn't his fault. Um, I mean, it was his leg that did it, but still, you know, and, and again, everyone wants to talk about, oh, you know, he's he's not good in coverage. It's like, do you remember, like, compare it to what we had before, like where we used to get just killed by tight ends. Look, go through 2020 and tell me, do you remember a game where a tight end just ruined ruined our day? No, the Giants were actually 
I, I remember looking at this. The Giants were actually pretty good against tight ends last year, probably like bottom quarter in the National Football League. So Yeah, 2019 too. It was like 2019's defense was bad, but it was like we're well, actually better versus – we don't give up these horrible play, you know games versus tight ends like we used to. You know, and then this year it's like you remember the the games that get remembered are Noah Fant, who had a decent game, but wasn't like he didn't light it up. He didn't have a hundred yards or anything. And then Kyle Pitts, you know, gets remembered because of that catch at the final drive. But Kyle Pitts had two catches in that game. We see what Kyle Pitts is doing right now. Yeah, and there's you a know, reason why tight ends are specific. Tight ends are so valued and they're so important in today's NFL because you can't put a corner on them. You can't put a linebacker on them. They're too slow. Can't put a safety on them because those guys, even though they're a little bit bigger than corners, they're still relatively too small. So covering tight ends in today's NFL, and I really feel like uh, even going back to like the days of Bavaro, right? Covering tight ends in the National Football League is always a very, very difficult task. And I do agree with you where Peppers did get a little too much hate for his coverage abilities, and I put that in quotes. Right, so I mean, we'll miss Pep. He was a playmaker for this defense. Yeah. He's he's going to be missed, and he was fun. And also, can we can we talk about this too? I think both of his injuries that he suffered as a Giant, whether it's he, he's had two injuries, three injuries as a Giant, they've been relatively short term. But I think this is now two injuries that Peppers has suffered as a Giant, where he was playing on special teams. Yeah, the bear, the Bears, two thousand nineteen, a season ended versus the Bears. It was on a punt return, and. I, I disagree with the whole, like, you shouldn't play your stars on special teams. But I do agree with, like, Peppers was, was not a really a good punt returner. You know? Yeah. Like, he never made, like, any big... Like, he he would, honestly would run too hard. Like, he was just, like, trying to truck guys and stuff. Like, so that's part... That does frustrate me a little bit. It's like, why did we put Peppers at punt returner consistently and he wasn't even, like, really a good punt returner? Yeah, I'm tainted uh, because uh, I watched him when he was in high school and then Michigan, he was really good at it, too. So I'm I'm tainted by his world class athlete being the most hyped up college prospect coming out of Paramus Catholic ever, and that's when I was in high school. So I watched him in the stands. Uh, I think the year was uh I think the year was like 2012, 2013. I watched him in the stands in Paramus, New Jersey, absolutely kill, kill St. Peter's Prep. Um, and I hated him. I hated his guts until he put on blue. So. Do you think his injury changes maybe like, okay, maybe that actually helps him come back to the Giants? On a one-year deal, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see it. But again, I, right now I'm just going to assume he's gone and we'll deal with that in the offseason. Yeah, I, I'm I'm presuming he's gone too. Julian Love will probably take his role, but the Giants haven't been wanting to, to do a ton of three safety stuff anyways. You know, McKinney and Logan Ryan have been getting 100% of the reps. So Love will take his role. And then they signed uh, J.R. Reed from the Rams. What do you think about that? Do you got any takes about that? I, I don't really have specific takes on that, but this is where the Giants having so many special teams players on their team and so many wasted roster spots. Wait, you don't think Nate Ebner's two tackles this year have added a ton of value? I, this is where it kind of comes back to, to bite them. I mean, the Giants also, they had a, you know, a, a flurry of other transactional moves today that included releasing David Sills, which, sorry, Sills Army. Uh, dropped that one pass. <laughs> hey, it's, it sucks. Um, and uh, cutting Josh Jackson, which so here was kind of like the the string of moves that the Giants had to do defensively during the summer to, I guess, make them feel okay about their depth at special teams and on defense. They traded a six round pick for Keon Crossan. However, I'm not going to kill them about that because odds are they're going to spend one of their late round picks on a special teamer anyway. So I'm not killing them over that, but still, it's kind of bugging me a little bit now versus the summer I was reasonable and logical and had good expectations for this team and didn't think everybody would get hurt. Um, they waited all summer to sign Nate Ebner, who is a wasted football player. I'm so glad that the Giants are running only two high safeties and they're not doing three safety looks anymore, so Nate Ebner will hopefully not see the football field because he's the fourth safety on the depth chart right now. Okay, so that's Nate Ebner. And then they signed... Josh, well, they traded Josh Jackson. They traded away their number two cornerback last year for Josh Jackson, who never even suited up. So I, I, I'm I, getting a little frustrated, you know, because obviously you can't predict the injuries, Bobby. But just seeing now that we do have all these injuries and seeing the lack of depth that we have kind of have everywhere, it's like, well, why do we need two fullbacks? 
Well, why do we teach need Dave Smith? Fo- teach NFL players how to play special teams? It yeah. can be done. You're especially you have three special teams coordinators on the team. You can teach NFL players. You can play a position to play special teams. You don't need Colin Gillespie. You don't need Nate Ebner's on a team. You know, like because Keon Crossan could put you. Keon Crossan you could put out you. there at NFL corner if you need him to. Like Keon Crossan is an example of like, hey, he's an NFL player who play. He's but he's mainly a special teamer. Colin Gillespie and Nate Ebner have no value on offense or defense. Zero value on offense or defense. And they are solely there for special teams, which is, you know, Nate Ebner had to play defense a good amount last year. Like, that was so frustrating. So, yeah, it's it's whatever. Gary Brightwell. Um, we, we actually had some mailbag questions about Gary Brightwell um, that we actually, you know, we didn't we didn't really get to it. It didn't really fit. Not a but good I, running back. Stop calling for Gary Brightwell. Yeah, like he's – I, I get it. You know, not everybody does the the pre draft stuff, and you know, the, or even the post draft stuff of evaluating players. Gary Brightwell's just not a good running back, and I know he had some nice catches in the preseason, right? But that's 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 nothing. Um, Gary Brightwell is not a good running back. He was drafted to be a special teamer, so that is again another wasted spot where you know I, I'm having. Who was the the running back from Philly that we cut? Oh, Corey Clement. Corey Clement. I would love to have him on this team because I think he would be kind of a, a great change of pace running back to Devontae Booker. And guess what? He played special teams too. So, um, or drafting I, I don't someone know. like Khalil Herbert, who's like the number one running back in Chicago right now. Yeah, I so I, I don't know. It, it, losing Jabril Pepper sucks. Losing all these guys to injuries suck. You can't predict it. But then if you do lose these guys to injuries, and believe it or not, there are teams that are more bitten by the injury bug than yeah, the Giants right now. We're not even that right injured now. on defense. No, 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 we're not even that injured, but still it's if one of if one of these other cornerbacks goes down, like Rodarius Williams goes down, what you know, Sam Beal's starting? Uh, great. And then who's after that? Like, so that's where all these having all these special teamers and wasted roster spots, that's where it can kind of bite you in the ass. And I think the Giants are feeling that right now. You know who aren't wasted spots? John Hom. Hmm. He's Hommy. Jason Reifschneider. Rife Schneider, Jason Rife. It's dude. Just take the Rife off of your name. Just be Jason Snyder. Antonio Garcia. What's going on, Antonio? Sean, no last name. Sean, and then Andrew Arietta, who's Jake Arietta's actual brother. Wow. Um, you know, so you know, I I, I thought you know Jake Arietta was going to be better for the Phillies. Maybe he has been all right. I don't pay attention to baseball, even though I got the World Series on the background. World Series. Go Braves. Justin, who are these? Very important spots on the roster. That was very mean to Mr. Reif Schneider. Um, I love that name, actually. All those people, including Mr. Reif Schneider, went to patreon.com slash Giants. $2 a month, plus some other tiers. If you want an extra support, you get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some magnets. Respond to that Patreon message. After Bobby Skinner says, hey, thank you for signing up. What's your address? I want to send you things. Make sure you respond to it because he'll send you things. Twice a month, we also have opportunities for free shirt raffles. Just added some shirts to the store. Some, what was it? What is it? Air DJ and Wild Joka shirts of Kadarius Tony punching a, a Dallas Cowboy player. Yeah, we're trying to get some media, some clown shirts too. Oh, nice. Nice. The media have been having, uh, they've been having some clown moments this year. So, I'm starting to hate the media anyways. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin. Let's get into the mail. First question. Very simple question. Ben at Ben Feinstein 25. Do you like what Jason Garrett did last game? I did. Now let's explain what he did. And it's everyone's it's it was I mean, it was very apparent what they did. But I got I got some freaking numbers to, to tell you what he did on 34 passes. There was 33, but one was the illegal procedure on 34 passes. 15 were either bootlegs or rollouts. Like, they got Daniel Jones out of the pocket. They had a bunch of screens. Their regular passes were three-step drops. You know, I chart the, you know, plays that have two 15-plus yard uh, routes and plays that only have one, have one or less. It was the most conservative I've ever seen. They, had, they ran it four times. And one was a sack and one was a QB hit. 
you know, on the on the pass that was supposed to go to Slayton. Um, so they only ran four, you know, deep concepts. They could not protect. You know, like they could not protect. Like, you know, Matt Parrott, zero pressure, zero sack. Like that's that's a very misleading because like Jason Garrett did a good job of like, hey, we cannot trust this offensive line. Like I'm I'm serious. I've never seen a coaching staff not trust their offensive line uh, less than what the New York Giants did this week. And, you know, rightfully so. You know, and it kind of sucks the coaching staff is stuck with it. So this game, this sole, single game, yeah, I was I was happy with what Jason Garrett did. And they ran a bunch of like slant, slant three-step drop plays. So yeah, this game I was happy with what Jason Garrett did. Yeah, 21 out of the 33 passing attempts were to the right side. Bobby, you mentioned 15 out of the 33-34 were play-action rollouts. That's kind of how you started off. Um, the personal grouping frequency was pretty interesting too. With the lack of wide receivers, they went 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, 48% of the time. And then they went um, 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, one running back, two wide receivers. They went that at 33% of the time, which is relatively high. Like usually you're playing 11 personnel, like 60 to 65% of the time. Um, and then they also had a lot of other jumbo sets with even two fullbacks or two, you know, two running backs and two tight ends. And they did some of that stuff too. Like the failed series in the red zone that they had early in the game when they went for on the fourth down after the Kyle Rudolph touchdown, but not a touchdown. That was all like, you know, three tight ends, two fullbacks, no wide receivers. And they were trying to play mono mono football and couldn't do it. But yeah, but relatively, you know, utilizing what you have on the team, that is, you know, a kind of a, a plethora of tight ends and tight ends that can block and alternating your wide receivers in and out, putting Devontae Booker out. You know, the, the one biggest explosive pass play of the day was when you had three wide receivers out on the field. Evan Ingram lined up uh, as, as a wide receiver. Devontae Booker lined up as a wide receiver. And Dante Pettis took that... 27-yard slant and got a lot of yards after the catch. That was kind of like an empty set, but still getting the ball out of your hands quick. So that was clearly the game plan, getting the ball out of your hands quick, you know, getting Daniel Jones out of that pocket. Um, and I have a feeling that may be uh, replicated again this week, especially when the interior part of that Chiefs defensive line is somewhat good. So, But I don't want to do it versus the Chiefs. You know, we'll get more into the, yeah, we'll get you know, more the Chiefs into game Friday. on Friday. But, like, you know what, the – the Panthers had the second best passing defense in the NFL. They had, you know, Burns and Reddick on the edge, and they blitzed the second most in the NFL. You know, like, I I feel like that it was a good game plan versus the Panthers, but the Chiefs are a bad defense, and they're, like, you can they can be taken advantage of. You're not going to take advantage of the Chiefs' defense by nickeling and diming down the field. You know, versus the Panthers, they run, man, like, man, like you have to do that stuff. Versus the Chiefs, now I'm not expect. I don't want you to go balls to the wall, but it needs to be more, you know, it needs to be a more balanced game plan. Versus, and again, we'll go through all of that on the Friday pod. But I don't want them to be like, all right, this is what we just do now. We just do roll out, roll out, roll out, screen, three step drops. Like it was a good game plan versus the Panthers. Um, but it's you know, and Daniel Jones played really, really well. Like you know, was there was w- one Daniel Jones mistake that like really stuck out, which was the intentional grounding that he got. That could have been a really bad play. Um. But besides that, I thought it was all right. So good good stuff from Garrett uh, this week. Yeah, this was the first game. <laughs> it's crazy. How many uh, games has there been in the Garrett era? 7 plus 16, 23. This is really the first game where Jason Garrett, we really feel like out-coached and out-schemed his opponent, right? Yeah. Crazy. Um, I'm including this question because you didn't include it, and I asked our listeners to ask it on Monday's show. A Monday show. Danny Dimes to Tony, is the way the Giants won on Sunday sustainable? Thank you, Danny Dimes to Tony. He said, you're welcome, Justin. Um, and I feel like it kind of fits good here. I don't think it is. No, it's not. Because they had such good average starting field position, and the next couple of opponents that the Giants have are really, really good. Um, however, even though I liked what Jason Garrett did, still the red zone stuff is a huge, huge problem, which we do have a question about the red zone coming up a little bit later. All right, next question. Mikey Hot Takes with a Z. If you could pick two offensive players to return from injury this week, realistic or not, who would you pick? So the way that we're going to do this is between the seven players that are currently out on the offense side of the ball. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Nick Gates, Shane Lemieux. We're going to rank them one to seven on who we would bring back, one being one who we want to bring back the most, seven the least. And and also it's just it's that just that player in themselves not being like oh if I bring this like 
you know, if I bring this player back, I bring them to like, like it's just each player. If what bringing that that was full player back and everyone else is out brings to you. So number one is it Andrew Thomas for both of us? Yes, and number two is it Kadarius Tony? Well, let's talk about let's talk for a second about number one. Oh sure. I mean, you saw for all the reasons we just met, it's pretty hard to operate an offense with the offensive line they currently have. I mean, every time they were trying to throw something deep, Daniel Jones was getting hit. Um, you know, there was one play where he wasn't. It was the throw to Darius Slayton in the first drive of the game on the sideline. Or second drive or whatever it ended up, ended up being. So, like, Andrew Thomas makes you be... Like, I can deal with some bad wide receivers. Playing with that offensive line is hard to do. Like, it, it made last year's offensive line look really good this past week. <laughs> um, you know, and the fact that there's no run game, too. Kadarius Tony has two for both of us too, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a game-changing player. He can take a play. He can take nothing and turn it into a, a game-changing play. I mean, we saw him do it versus Dallas, versus the Rams last week. He had three catches on five passing plays. Like Kadarius Tony, you know, someone tried to like take a shot at Kenny Galladay and being like, he might not even be the number one wide receiver when he comes back. Like that's a freaking awesome thing. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing. So Kadarius Tony would be my two as well. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. Three. Kenny Galladay? Man, it's tight between him and Shep, but I think when you have Kadarius Toney as that intermediate option who can also do a lot of great thing, great, great things with yards after the catch, I think I have to go Galladay three. Yeah, I mean, Gall, yeah, I, I Galladay is is a better wide receiver than Shep. Like I'm just keeping it as as simple as that. Yeah. You know, and he 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 requires double coverage uh down the field. It, it makes things easier for other guys. And part of it is like Pettis. You know, we have a Pettis John Ross question later. You know, Pettis can he can handle the slot duties uh all right. So Kenny Galladay is my 3. Number 4. So you do you have Shep at 4? Yes. I don't. You have Nick Gates. I have Nick Gates at four. Yeah. Nick Gates is missed severely, severely. He, um, like he built one, just Billy Price is bad. Nick Gates was a really good pass blocker. Like we would remember Nick Gates from like the pancakes and the run play and the run plays and stuff. But Nick Gates was a really good pass blocker and we're not getting that from the center position. And it's also hurting the guard spots. You know, when they're stunting around, like Nick Gates would always find work and help. And in the run game, like Nick Gates is a big, like, Nick Gates was really good in the run game. Like, he opened up gaps, and, you know, I remember us talking about, probably on Nick Gates' PPP, about how good the Giants were running up the A-gap in 2020. Nick Gates was a really valuable player, and they, like, he is severely missed. Like, I miss Nick Gates more than I do Sterling Shepard right now. That's fair. That's fair. I see it. I see it. I you know, Part of me just goes back to... Hey, the sack rates, the lowest that it's been for Daniel Jones's career. And as long as Andrew Thomas is being an anchor, I trust Daniel Jones's pocket and manipulation and stuff like that. But I mean, it's close. It's close between, you know, Shep and Gates and even, you know, Shep and Shep and Galladay for me. Those three Not guys having are a run game just sucks. Yeah, no, it, it really does suck. So yeah. So who I'm going with next after Shep and you have Gates. So what number is this for us? You have, so you have Shep at four. I have Gates at four. Do you have Gates at five? I do have Gates at five. Okay. This seems like disrespect, but honestly, it's how I feel. Sa- Saquon at six, right? Yes. Who's your number five? Shep. Ah, okay, Shep. So, yeah, Sa- Saquon number six and then Lemieux number seven. Yeah. I mean, I just don't miss, like, and, and again, it's it's a lot of good players that are ahead of him. You know, it's, I miss all of those guys more than I do Saquon, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I want Saquon, tra- like, you know, it's. I'm not the you know. There's some people who can't root for Saquon. I root for Saquon. Like he he can change a game, but he honestly just hasn't been that game changer for us. You know the 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 catch versus the Saints was awesome, you know. But like other other than that catch in the Saints game, like you know he didn't like he had some good, he had good plays, but he wasn't he didn't he almost lost the game with a fumble, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um. So yeah, I have I have a. Saquon at six and Shane Lemieux at seven. Yep. I'm excited for Saquon to come back. Um, you know, it, it's going to be tough uh, with this worse offensive line that is this run blocking unit. Um, we just, but we're not going to be able to run the ball this year. I, I hope I, I hope he puts it on himself to, hey, you know, if, if you're a guy that takes pride in, you know, doing, you know, making something out of nothing, 
you know, dude, you know, in a season that may be lost, you have an opportunity to go out there and prove that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be moved on from, traded from, blah, blah, blah. Because I don't know how any Giants executive can look at themselves in the mirror right now and justify giving him somewhat of a large second contract. I really don't. I, I really if, don't. If they drafted know? him in the fourth round and he's had the exact same career, like, you wouldn't be talking about that type of stuff. Like eh. He's still an awesome running back. He just doesn't get the tough yards. All right, next question. Next question. At Bry Hughes, at Big Blue Fanatic Zero. Bry Hughes 23. Do you think the defense is for real, or is it more of a product of the Panthers' bad offensive line slash QB play? So, you know, we talk about not um, reacting to one-game sample sizes. So, no, I'm not going to say the defense is for real. And the Panthers were bad. But I do think there's some good signs. You know, the Giants, Patrick Graham is committed to running these two high safety looks, which I don't really agree with, but he's doing it. So they have made adjustments since trying to stop the run the past two weeks. You know, first the Rams, I wasn't really, you know, like, hey, look at what Patrick Graham's doing versus the run. But he did do some different things, whether it's, you know, having the edge players shoot gaps and linebackers play out or blitzing a corner. So he's he's done some stuff in that. They played a lot more zone. Like, they didn't play man coverage this week. You know? Like, they yeah. were playing a ton of man coverage. They didn't play man this week. You know? Probably counted on one hand how many times they just played man coverage this week. They didn't play man. They played their their zone. They played cover four. They played cover, you know, three out of two high and would have the, you know, one safety come down. Um, So, they're doing stuff like that. But if, if they want to be... Now, I'm not keeping teams to three points, but to be get back to where like close to where they were last year, the key is Aziz. Like we need pass rush from the edge. Like that's that's that is the key. You need to have some plays to be made from the edge. Um, you know, we have an Aziz question next, but that would be the key. But right now, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the defenses back type thing. But I do think they're. I, I do think they're going to get back to some of their zone roots that they were in last year. Yeah, the, the thing with disease is every time he touches the QB, it's almost like the QB goes down, um, you know, and we need a little bit more consistency where he did have the sacks, he did have the, the four QB hits from this game, he had the five pressures, uh, but there was three games in consecutive before this where he didn't really do anything, I don't think he had a single QB hit after the really good start that he had, and I'm not even blaming him, it's just a matter of you know, that the defense for that stretch of time was piss poor. It was the worst uh, pass rushing unit in the National Football League. You know, we had five pressures this past Sunday, and he has 12 pressures on the season, I believe. And it's crazy because, you know, 12 pressures, and how many sacks does he have? So, you know, he's almost hitting the quarterback. You know, when he gets pressure, he's almost, you know, he's hitting the quarterback and he's putting the quarterback down. Something that, that was key for the Giants this past weekend, Bobby, though, is this was the span that was largest that they forced an opposing offense on third down. So Carolina, they averaged 7.3 yards to go on third down, and that was the highest amount of the season. And they forced 15 stop third downs. Run. Yep, stop. And I, yeah, I was, you know, kind of, kind of leads to, you know, the the importance of stopping the run. You know, where the Panthers were dedicated to it at some points of the game, and odds are a team is going to run the ball at least 33% of the time. Even the most pass-happy teams in the National Football League, like the Kansas City Chiefs, they're throwing the ball 66% of the time, but one out of every three plays, they're still running it, and that's some of the highest in the National Football League. So having a, you know, limiting a positive play when a team does choose to run the ball, that's really, really important, and that could impact, you know, team, how teams face on third down. I thought that was some of the most important. That's some, that's one of the most important numbers from this past Sunday that they forced the Panthers into third and longs. And, and with those third and longs, when you're able to generate a pass rush, it's a beautiful combo. Here's some, uh, pep love. And this is why I, I'm not buying it really. Jabril peppers while missing a game, playing less than half the reps in two of the games due to injury and being misused had double the sacks Tackles for loss and QB hits than Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez combined. Well, he actually had infinity the amount of Lorenzo and O'Shane in sacks, but <laughs> because they have zero, but double like, and that was Pep not playing the same role as last year, you know. And you can make all types of like, like those two guys suck. And maybe Lorenzo will be decent. Maybe Lorenzo can get back to being a decent player next year because he's coming off the injury, um, you know, a much more severe injury than O'Shane's coming back. But like those guys suck, and um. You know, they are an issue. But I will say that 
the Panthers had a bad offensive line, but the Giants took advantage of a bad offensive line, which they hadn't done. You know, like I didn't have any faith that they could beat a bad offensive line, and they did that this week. So, um, I guess credit where credit's due is like, okay, they were able to beat a bad offensive line where they weren't able to do that before. No, no. So and I'm not a lot of bad offensive that. lines in the NFL that you can do that to. Yeah, and you know, I, I stopped previewing the uh, the Chiefs game, Justin, but they're they're playing another somewhat bad offensive line this weekend too. So it, it, it should it should continue. And like I said, the NFL is a league of what have you done for me lately? It's a week by week league. So you know, sure, did is the defense for real? Is it more of a product of the bad Panthers offensive line and QB play? I mean, sure, it can be for one week, but if you can kind of do it again the second week, obviously you're not, you may not get the bad QB play against Patrick Mahomes. But if you can do it that second week, you know, you could string along on string along some momentum. And by the way, which even last year the Giants, according to Football Outsiders and the DVOA DVOA defense value over average um, metric, didn't really love them last year. Um, they moved up six spots this week. They were 25th before this game, and now they moved up to 19th, which I actually think is a uh, Somewhat of a good rebound for this Giants defense uh, through seven weeks to be around a little bit below average of a defense. So, wow. keep it up. Hey, buddy, buddy. Whoa. The fall classic is upon us in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the 2021 World Series. Baseball has a no-brainer offer you to take a swing at. So, if you have no brain, you like baseball, it goes hand in hand. Swing at this. New customers can bet just $1 on any World Series game and win $100 in free bets if either team gets a hit. Either team gets a hit. I mean, I know there's been a, it's been a record year for no-hitters, but wow. While a double no-hitter would be amazing, we're, we're betting on some action. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin the game this World Series with same-game parlays. Com- combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. I love more money. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Now, here's one thing I will say to be aware of. Yeah. If you, you're going to have more problems. You're going to have more money, but you're going to have more problems. That is true. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $1 on any World Series game and win $100, bets in, fr- $100 in free bets if either team gets a hit. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the 2021 World Series. Must be 21 and older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or, or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Major League Baseball trademark and copyrights are used with permission of Major League Baseball. Ooh. Visit MLB.com. Period. Speaking of uh, more money, more, more problems. Did you see the, the drip? as the kids call it, that Andrew Thomas had on at the Nets basketball game where he was hanging out with the with the Z's. The wrong team! Shut up. Those glasses, that watch, I, apparently the, the glasses, I, I want to get those glasses. And um, He's from the ATL. Cartier Buffaloes, they are called. And apparently they are somewhat ex- expensive, but I don't care. I have all the money in the world. I will buy them for myself, and I will wear them on the podcast. What's the price tag? I don't know. Apparently, it's something insane. But I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Oh, by the way, it's no no hitter tonight. It's it's not a no hitter. First bat of the game is a home run. How about that? How about that? Next question. Chris Mickle. Good friend. As Aziz develops, what do you think his ceiling is? I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. I'm still relatively new to this whole content thing and like projecting players. You know, knowing that last year in 2020, only 10 players in the National Football League had 10 or more sacks. 1985, there were 30 players that had 10 or more sacks. So it's so tough to predict, like, I feel like how good edge rushers are and how they can sustain success over time. So what are you seeing? As you yawn. I really I'm tired, you. my man. I really I bored tired. you with that. Um, so... Aziz right now, I mean, he's leading rookies in sacks with five and a half, second in tackles for loss with five, and then fourth in QB hits with seven. He's not even playing a lot, too. Like, a a lot is maybe a relative term, but he's not playing like, let's just say, you know, a lot of people are comparing him to Chase Young. He's not playing as much as Chase Young did last year. Yeah, The sacks were the least impressive plays from Sunday. I mean, they were garbage time. P.J. Walker sucks and holds on to the ball for 20 minutes. You know, like, this, those sacks really didn't, like, impress me a ton. You know the sacks from the first few games did, but the, like, and then one was Leonard Williams and Aziz got clean up. 
which is why I have no problem claiming that one sack uh, Leonard Williams had where it was pushing Darnold out of bounds when he has two half sacks that uh, were should have been full sacks for him. Um, but but nonetheless, uh, I feel like a hater with this, but I just don't ever think Aziz is going to... like. Is Chase Young overrated right now? Yeah. But if I'm Andrew Thomas, I'm a lot more worried about playing Chase Young than I am Aziz Ojolari right now. And I know the numbers and stuff. Like, like, you know, don't shout the numbers at me. Like, Aziz, I just don't think he's ever going to be that dominant edge. I think he's going to be a good, a really good number two. Like, I can't wait to... And, Aziz, and he's young and he can still grow. If he can add a... If Aziz can add a real deal bull rush, like, like a Vaughn Miller or somebody... Well, I don't want to give him Vaughn, but... Like a real deal bull rush, and he had a nice bull rush rep. Then he could be like a you know a top ten to fifteen edge rusher in the Marcus game. Marcus Golden has, has a solid bull rush. Yeah, so like that's what Aziz needs to work on is work on his strength. But in the run game, he's really good at shooting gaps. You know, like like he he's good with his hands. He's good at disengaging. So I think he can be a really good number two. But I just don't ever th- I will I don't think he'll ever be in that top tier of pass rushers, which is. Sounds like hate, but it to me it's like a compliment. I think he's going to be a really good number two. So I would I would basically say I could see Aziz being the Hassan Reddick to a Brian Burns or the Hassan Reddick to a Chandler Jones if the Giants can get there one day. Yeah, yeah. Like if and and he's taking the alpha dog role, you know, which is oh, um, who's calling you? Uh, Gerbert. The the yogurt. Gerbert. His name is Gerbert, but I save it. His name is Gerbert. Oh, they said Gerbert, as in the yogurt for Gerbert children. I believe Gerbert's a yogurt for children or baby food. He is a pervert. Gerbert. <laughs> well, didn't say that. Um, what was I saying? Here's what I have to say. You think of what you have to say. Here's what I have to say. I do agree where some of the more impressive plays for Aziz this past Sunday were not the sacks. It was just he plays fast. He plays yeah, athletic. You know, and you know we said a lot of the same things about. You know, uh, Carter and O'Shane, and I guess I'll give a little bit more credit to Aziz. You know, you played devil's advocate. I'll I'll be I'll be the other side. We gave maybe some of those same compliments to O'Shane and Lorenzo Carter as they were kind of developing and saying, "Oh, maybe they can produce and maybe they can put in the production." The difference is that Aziz is putting in that production. You know, he is putting in that work and he's doing it from day yeah, one. He's he's having he's not a really just, good rookie season. Yeah, he's and he not can win just showing the rookie promise. of the year. You yeah. Know? Like if you voted today, I probably would vote for him. But the thing is, just more consistency. If you can do it on a more consistent basis, and also he he maybe deserves a little bit more reps. Um, you know, I, he's made some flashy plays against the run. I still don't think he is a plus plus run defender. Is he has to work on that play strength? Like Bobby said, even with the pass reps, if you can develop that bull rush. So if you can not just he doesn't solely rely on his speed, but if you can just develop a little bit more of that play strength, the same things that we said of him coming out of Georgia, we're looking at a very, very solid football player who can be a three-down player for the Giants, uh, but he ha- but he does need to have that number one edge, I feel like, across from him still. Yeah, I think he's – and that's that's basically – that's more of my high standards for the edge position, you know? Yeah. Um, It's just – it's – I think we're like – like he can't reach what Chase Young – is you know like he i just don't ever see that like i like people said he dropped because of health concerns the 50 i don't believe that i really do think the the nfl valued him around that 40 to 50 range yeah but he's also super young so i mean he is he is a he is a on a on a bad team aziz ojalari is a bright spot and and he is worth getting really excited about yep but i just i don't want to do the thing where it's like all right he's doing having a really good rookie year now let's expect him to be dominant, and then next year he's not a dominant player, and it's like, oh, this guy sucks. He's blah blah, blah you know, type thing. No, because like, it's think- so tough. It's so. T- this is how. I, this is why I started off the question this way. It's so tough. I feel to predict pass rusher productivity and pass rusher effectiveness, like year in and year out, where a guy could be, you know, Aziz Ojolari. We could look back next year on Aziz Ojolari in twenty twenty two and say he had a much better season this year than he did in 2021 but he can maybe have like three less sacks and that's not i get it that's not how you know we view we view things through a box score us as football fans a lot of football fans they view things through a box score and i feel like that's part of what we try to do at talking giants and especially what i try to do is get out of the box score get out of that box score stats where they do matter 
but also a player's effectiveness and their value isn't solely centered in that. So um, very happy for Aziz, though. Show us more consistency. Um, glad he's going to be here for, for quite a long time. He is a guy, I will say, that we don't talk about him as like maybe like a, an enticing player for like a new GM to take a job. Where we always say Thomas, Jones, Tony, those three guys. That's what we got. We should maybe give Aziz a little bit more credit to and add him to that list. Bam. I saw someone being like at before this game, like people were saying he was on a sit on on pace for 17 sacks. It's like, gosh, that are people like just that joyless where it's like you see me tweet that he's on pace for 17 sacks when he has three. Like, do you think I actually think that? Like, joyless idiots. All right. Next question. Yeah, joyless idiots too, replying to my tweet about Leonard Williams having 10, 10 and a half sacks and the last eight Giants wins throughout the last two years and showing me a screenshot of the games in which we lost and he didn't then he didn't have a sack. All right. You know, shut up. Shut up. We didn't get any Leonard Williams questions. Funny how that happens. Yeah, when he has a, when he has a good game, nobody wants to freaking ask I about was him. So I was fired up in, in Leonard Williams defense mode, by the way. Oh, he and, retweeted and- me. You texted me that. I didn't see it. I know. I was like, I, I went to his page because I want. I was like, let me see if Lane Williams is like, you know, he's, you know, he was coming under fire, and I was like, oh my gosh, his first tweet is a is a Justin Pennick retweet. Yeah, I was like, dude, retweet my tweets. I was cussing in my tweet about him though. No, I can't um, do that. I ended off the tweet with with my nice little stat because the whole thing with so here's what I have to do as somebody who prioritizes tweeting about stats and stuff. I can't just tweet out stats. I have to kind of give a take at the end. So I said Leonard Williams has 10, like 10 sacks, 10 and a half sacks, and the Giants eight wins since the start of 2020. And he even makes bigger plays than those sacks in games in which we win, like Alma Kamara, fourth and one, that pitch. He goes sideline to sideline and brings him down. That's a huge play. Define, I think it defined that game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I ended off that tweet with saying Giants fans need to have more respect and adm- adm- admiration as to the type of player that he is. And people, of course, had a problem with that last sentence, you know, and not the fact that he's well, the really trade good happened. It's like, stop blaming him for how he was acquired. Yeah. He's a top five defensive tackle. Like, Aaron Donald is clearly better. I would probably say Jonathan Allen's better. And then you can make the case for him. Look at all the guys who are paid his money, you know. And when I do a tweet comparing him to Aaron Donald's stats, it's not saying he's better than Aaron Donald. Like, like and I literally said in it, but it's like, it's basically what it's saying is like everyone was crying about not having the box score stats. Well, guess what? Now the box score stats are there and they're better than the best in the game. So how about now? Now do we want to talk about box score stats or now do we want to have a little more fucking nuance to the Whoa. conversation? God, Leonard Williams used to be your like get fired up guy and he turned into my get fired up guy. Well, that's because I was right. And now he's no longer my fired up guy because uh, he's playing well and I was right. Hashtag Justin was right. Um, I just decided to look up Chris Jones. Um, he's played five games this year as two sacks. Eight combined tackles, Bobby, in five games? That cannot be right. Leonard Williams has a ton of run-stopping tackles, too. Hey, guess what, Bobby? Look at Austin Johnson's stats. Guess what? Look at Austin Johnson's stats next to Leonard Williams. It's insane. It is insane how good Leonard Williams is. And people will be like, well, the one stack took six seconds. (laughs) Well, Matt Stafford was freaking, you know, huddling up for two and a half of those six seconds. Gosh, I get so fired up with Leonard Williams. All right, I have, um... Leonard Williams should should love us, by the way. He, well, he, he should. It's you. it's honestly a goal. So, Bobby, Leonard Williams played seven games this year. I mentioned Chris Jones has eight tackles in five games. How many tackles does Leonard Williams have this year? Like 39 or something. He does. It's 39 on the dot. He's on pace to get more than 80 tackles, which I can't wrap my head around that. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a big like tackles guy about like, oh, if you got a lot of tackles, you're a really good player. In the defensive but, tackle spot, it's impo- it's impressive. I can't wrap my mind around like that's going to be like more than what Reggie Ragland has, and he's a linebacker. <laughs> he's 39 tackles, um, you know, so he's having a much better year than Chris Jones, and I think Chris Jones is like paid more. So, go go figure. All right, that's Leonard Williams for you. Nobody asked, but we we gave it to you anyway. Yeah. Next question. It's coming from Hank Mordukas at Computer Folk Panic. I used to love that page, and then he changed it. I think to his uh, is. Do we think is Hank is that Hank's real name and face? Go watch. I love you, man. No, it's not. It's a good movie. 
I, I've never seen a movie in my life. After Dave Gettleman is fired, would you rather? That's the a, only movie I've ever watched by myself, by the way, was I Love You, Man. Like in, in the movie theaters? theaters? Yeah. It was, I was, pr- I was like probably just 16, so I was supposed to go hang out with friends, and that ended up not working out, but I told my parents I was going to be somewhere where I wasn't going to be. So I was just like, all right, I'll just go watch a movie. So that's the only movie I've ever watched in the movie theater by myself was I Love You, Man. The first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie I saw in theaters by myself. That was the first and only one for me as well. So Hank, he asked, computer, pol- con- computer folk panic, after Dave Gunnelman is fired, would you rather A, start fresh with a new GM, new head coach, so just wipe it all clean, same slate, or give Abrams a one-year shot at GM with Judge to see how they do as a pair. I purposely left out Keep judge and hire a new GM from the options. I would just rather start clean. Just start. I fresh. hate the idea of just doing like all right, one year trial. Like I just no. I kind of hate the idea of that. And you know, you made a good point a couple weeks ago, and I'm 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 stealing it. Until Judge shows me that his offensive philosophy is to score, like is to score and produce big plays and not time, you know, you know, not trying to win the the possession, you know, the time of possession battle and and run, run, run and run, 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 run. I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm out on Judge until until he sees that, you know. So and 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 if he fired Jason Garrett, he would win me back. I'm like, whoa, Bob, you want Jason Garrett fired after a good game? Yes, I do. But right now, I'm I'm on the let's start fresh train still. So. Yeah. yeah. I, and I like Judge. I don't hate Judge, but it's it's that's just the way I feel right now. I think it'd be better to start start afresh with the new let a new GM pick his head coach. Yeah, it's it's almost the. There, there'll be other good head coaches out there. Even it's almost the same if, thing as Joe Sherman. Judge doesn't get a fair shot. Um, yeah, and and Dave, it's Dave Gettleman's fault. Like it's Dave Gettleman's fault that I feel that way. Yeah, it's because Joe Judge got tied to Dave Gettleman's make it or break it years instead of being part of a rebuild. Yep. Um, and I and people like to say, oh, it's also the same thing with McAdoo. Don't go that far. Ben McAdoo was a bad coach. Yeah, Ben McAdoo needed to be fired. Pat Sherman was also a bad coach, but he showed more. Um, with Pat Shermer should have been brought back for year three if Dave Gettleman was brought back for year three. Yeah. All right. Giants future at future underscore Giants. Which wide receiver would you want to see have more snaps down the stretch? John Ross or Dante Pettis? Pettis. They both had around 50% of the snaps last week. But one of them, they're going to see a significant snap decrease when Shep and everybody else comes back. Giants future also, by the way. Um, Liam bought one of our new shirts. So thank you, Liam. Go buy, Go be like Liam. Um, it's not Liam Sheehan, is it? No, it is. Liam I, I mean, I don't want you, you want to dox him, but you know, oh, he's he's it's the same person. His golf video was the funniest uh, listener content I've ever. I've, I mean, I busted out laughing at Liam that video. Is, is hysterical, um, very hysterical. Yeah, I feel like sometimes we're never mind. I was gonna say we're like bad influences on. We, younger we are. kids we, we are so john ross or dante pettis when these wide receivers start coming back healthy who do you want to see more of if one player comes back if one of these three receivers comes back dante pettis because i think dante pettis handles that every down wide receiver role better than john ross but if two come back then john ross because john ross is like the home run he you know defenses respect him more but if i just need someone to play 60 to 70 percent of the snaps at wide receiver i think dante pettis is a better every down wide receiver than John Ross, but John Ross is going to get a lot more respect from defenses and can change a game. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. John Ross uh, demands the attention. There's more of the explosive play potential with John Ross there. You saw that in the Saints game. I mean, however, Dante Pettis, biggest uh, biggest passing play from this Sunday, 27 yards. So go figure. I, I think it's it's a good – wide receiver is still a good yeah, problem Dante to Pettis have. is a really good athlete too. Yeah. You know? Wide receiver is is still a weren't they teammates at Washington together and they're playing yeah. on the field again? That's cool. Uh, wide receiver is still a good problem to have. Where I feel like the if this Our were a couple years ago, is good. if this were if this were 2017, I'd be like, oh, we're done. You know, we <laughs> we just can't do anything. But you know, having John Ross, Dante Pettis on your practice squad, and Colin Johnson as a guy that we kind of brought over here, and Dar- Darius Slayton had a little bit of a better game too. I mean, I mentioned him as like a runner-up giant factor. You know, he didn't have he didn't have a good enough game to get back in the really good graces of Giants fans. But I thought, you know, especially I thought honestly one of the prettiest plays of Daniel Jones's career is when he's running out to his right full speed. He yep. avoids a defender and then throws on the run to Darius Slayton on the sideline where he drags that second foot in. Um, I. Don't I think that was an expl- I, I count that as an explosive play that went for more than fifteen yards. So 
That'll be in the explosive play report for the stat report video. All right, next question. Dennis Celery at Yappy Yappo 99. We're only one back in the win column. We could still make the playoffs with four or five exclamation points. Saints are four and two. The Vikings oh would be the last this. wild card spot at. Actually, no, I think I did it wrong. Hold on. I did. I keep on forgetting there's freaking seven spots. There's a path to nine wins, and we can still lose to the Bucks, the Chiefs, and then one more game. Okay, so hold on. Let me look at it. Rams Which... are the first wild card. Saints are the second <laughs> wild card. Oh, yeah, there's three wild cards. So right now, the the, the last wild card spot is the Vikings at three and three. The and NFC the... is bad. The Panthers and Bears are three and four, and then we're after that. The NF the NFC is very very bad. The Saints yeah, the are not top, a good team. I mean, the top five teams have like only one loss. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, those the those teams are good, but the rest of the NFC is very very bad. If we beat the Chiefs, I'm 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 back in. Still want yeah. Dave Gelman fired, but I'm back in. But I'm I'm saving out any like, even if it's just in a joking matter, you know, where it's like I'm not even gonna make the jokings like we're still in this race. Like stuff, and t- if if we beat the Chiefs, I will do it. I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about. It. I don't even want to talk about it right now. I, I can't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I not can't. getting. I'm not get. I'm not believing into this team. And if they beat the Chiefs, I'll believe. I'll I'll believe that they have a shot. Other than if if they don't, I am. It's you know, we we're two and five. I'm not getting excited yet. We got a YouTube comment recently that said that they don't like me because. How wishy washy I am every single week, depending on whether the Giants. Oh, that guy was an idiot. Uh, Game football is a week to week league. (laughs) Well, we were like we were saying good things about a win, and he's like, "Well, aren't you guys? Didn't you guys say the team was bad?" It's like, "Yes, they're two and five. Yeah, but they won this game, so there's good things to talk about." Yeah. So, am I going to get excited about the season if they win against Chiefs? You bet your ass, I am. Okay. Next question, Philip Ninon. Hope I'm saying that right. At Ninan Ninan underscore Philip. How can the Giants improve their red zone offense in particular, their goal line offense? Bobby, you're a film guy. You're a scheme guy. Go for it. It's so bad. It's so bad. They're 32nd. They're dead last in the NFL in touchdown percentage in red zone, 45%. Yeesh. Last year, they were 31st. 2019, they were 17th. <laughs> oh. When you hit the 25, start attacking the end zone. They don't. They Their goal is to get down to the one-yard line and pound it in. Like, what did that Peyton Manning goal. say? What did Peyton Manning say on the on the Manning cast uh, broadcast where he said that my goal in the red zone, especially when I'm throwing the ball, which the Giants do throw the ball more in the red zone than they do run it, especially when they're when there's plays that go kind of like outside the tackles. When they're going inside the hash marks, they're largely running it more than they're throwing it. Uh, but still, I think they are throwing it more than they're passing it relative to, you know, at least inside the 20-yard line. Inside the 5-yard line may be a different story. But what Peyton Manning said is that, you know, when he's in the red zone, He's looking touchdown first and then check down afterwards where his eyes are always going towards the end zone, the, uh, you know, the end, not even just the red zone. They're going to the end zone on how they can score seven points. Yeah. It's, it's, they, they, they are like, you know, that when they're at the eight, they want to run the ball to get closer to the, like they, their goals to get down as close to the end zone so they can pound it in. And it's just a bad philosophy and spread stuff out a little more. How about that? Oh, you got like, mad at me. I'm, at at the one yard line, I have no problem if you have like first or second down, like trying to pound it in, you know. The, and the Giants, like like I, I'm the, not the, gonna the Dante Pettis touchdown. The circumstances were different from the first series of events where they were in the red zone earlier in the game, where they were on the one yard line. The Dante Pettis touchdown where they scored, where they spread it out in the second half was different. They were like maybe on like the six seven yard line, and you know, so the circumstances were different. But um, you know, the field shrinks. The field shrinks, and it gets tougher. Where you know, it's like that perfect combination of player execution is needed and the creativity of the play caller is most on the line and it is most on display when you're in the red zone. And, you know, unfortunately for this Giants offense, they have neither right now. They have bad player execution up front and they do not have a creative play caller. So, you know, it's a bad combo. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones' was last year at Duke in his rookie year, he was like flawless in the red zone. Like zero oh, yeah. interceptions, a ton of touchdowns. And it's just been like the exact opposite since Jason Garrett's taken over. Yep. Which, at the end of the day, scoring points is the name of the game. The red zone is where you score points. Yep. I won't. Next question. I won't be fully back. Like Bobby said, I won't be fully back in until they start scoring more points. No shit, Sherlock. Mr. Brownstone, 
If we could get all the injured players together on a boat and take a pick, would it reverse the curse? Talking Giants versus the world, hashtag stacking wins. Also, I don't like this nickname he gave me. Is yeah, just I, I, I don't know what it means. Well, the Unabomber is not a good person. I know, but why is he? Why is Mr. Brown comparing you to the Unabomber? He's Do probably I in the look chat like right him? now. Do I look like I'm Justin Unabomber? No, Penick. you don't look like the Unabomber. I watched the doc. I watched the Netflix doc on on the Unabomber. You don't look like him. Is Justin Unabomber Panic going to fight Weatherman Get Roman Danny Gambling Expert King if he gets the weather wrong again? Yeah, I'm really I'm really concerned. Like, do I act like a deranged killer? Is that how I act? Some people would say yes. No, you don't act like the Unabomber. <laughs> Thank you. Am I going to fight Danny King? I actually owe Danny King an apology. I was ready to fire him. I was ready. Oh, I was so ready. Walking into MetLife, I feel raindrops coming down. The sky's not looking too good. Oh, I was. Rain at a football game is the worst. In, uh, and I didn't bring a poncho. I, I brought my, my nice talking Giants draft hoodie, which that's what I've been wearing. to. I'm not wearing a Giants jersey for the rest of the season. They haven't deserved it. I also need to lose like 40 pounds because they're getting a little tight. But that's not the point. I'm wearing my Giants draft hoodie for the rest of the season. And when it gets too cold, I'll put on my Giants leather jacket. So I'm not wearing a jersey. And I had my hood on and my Oakley prescription sunglasses. And I was screaming at my phone. Danny freaking effing king. You got the weather wrong. It's raining. But it, it stopped raining and the sun even came out towards the latter part of the game. So if you look on the old 22, it's actually kind of funny as you follow the game. There's periods of the field where it looks like it's very sunny and very bright. And then it's dark and then it's bright and then it's dark. And that's actually how the game was working. So um, I have to apologize to Danny King because the weather was fine. Man, so look at us healing issues. Uh, your dog is going to be on the Friday show, right? Uh, yes, I'm going to officially put a poll out on Thursday today. I'm going to put a poll out. Say, like, hey, we, we won. We're 1-0. and When the dog appears, you want him back on. And I, what I think I'll do is I'll leave him for the first – I'm not going to have him on for the first part of the show because I need to concentrate and it's kind of it bugs me a little. But for – I don't really talk a lot during the, the, the fantasy picks and the, the game picks. and So I'll, I'll have him on my lap during the Danny King segment. Bam, perfect. All right, next question. Last, Last question. question. Tim Coffey, were you impressed with Quincy Roche's ability to bull rush or his outside speed forcing the QB to step up into the defensive line on Sunday? Do you think that is a viable recipe for more sacks, even if he isn't the guy getting the sack, but just to set the other guy up? I do think Roche should play over Carter and Zimenez. That's more of a uh, a shot of those two. But like he does, like, Roche is the type of player who does everything all right, you know? And I think he's got I think he's got more speed than uh, he's got more speed than Lorenzo, uh, and better hands than Lorenzo. And I think he's got more strength than O'Shane. You know, and yeah. he was good in coverage. Like he was like I, he looked like the best linebacker in coverage. You know, from the outside linebacker <laughs> spot. Like he was passing stuff off. Like so, um, I don't I like Quincy Roche, but I think here's what's so annoying is like when you like a guy like Quincy Roche, people are like act as if you mean that player is going to be like a really solid player. It's like, no, I think I like him and I think he should play over these two bad players. But yeah, I think Roche should play. But but to answer Tim Coffey's question, it's the ability to push the pocket back in bull rush. Uh, I think it's more than just him being a sack guy. Did you see that Quincy Roche's first tackle for loss, he got kicked in the freaking head? <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. <laughs> I think he's the first player in NFL history to ever get his first tackle for loss and then kick, get kicked in the head immediately after. That's a fact. That's going to be a Talking Giants trivia question like 10 years from now. Boom. Boom. I love it. I have the video zoomed in on it. It was fun. All right. That's a, that's a mailbag out. That's a show. We'll be back Friday with your preview. And then we got Monday Night Football, which is like it's either going to be super exciting or it's going to suck, suck, suck to record after that. Wait, time out. What's the recording schedule next week? Tuesday, we have an look, episode. I got to go look at what we did for Monday Night Football last time. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble forgetting. Are we going to do like back-to-back days of reaction well, no, pods we didn't and do. We didn't do back-to-back because I remember it, the Tuesday night was the election after the Bucks game. Oh. So we recorded Monday night, Tuesday night. We'll probably put out Thursday and then Friday. Right on. I wish they would put the Monday night football before the bye week instead of after the bye week. Yes, that would be that would make more sense. 
but for us, they, but they suck. All right, so that, that that'll be the schedule next week. All right, we see you guys on Friday. We appreciate you. See you on Friday. Until then, let's go big. <laughs>